Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. The question that I get asked the most when it comes to staff training is how can I find the time to train my staff? If that's your biggest question or struggle right now, check out the last episode because I got really detailed in how to find time in your school day and really make the opportunity for staff training happen. I also got really in-depth on why staff training is so important and why we need to make it a priority for finding the time either before or after school or within your school day. So if that's your question, check out that last podcast. What I'm going to talk about today is how to train your staff. What do you do with that time? I actually don't get asked this question as much as you'd think I'd get asked. Because I think in general, we're all really worried about finding the time for staff training or we haven't been able to make that happen. So we don't worry about the next step. If I were to have the time to train my staff, I'll deal with that later. Or we think, I've got that under control. I don't have to worry about that. But staff training is harder than you think. Being a good leader being someone that delegates well, and being someone who's great at training doesn't come naturally to everyone. 
It actually really doesn't come naturally to me. It's something that I've really worked towards. I've It's taken a lot of practice, um, a lot of research. I actually really like learning about different ways to be a better leader or manager or delegate better. So it's something that I've worked towards. My first few years, this was something that I really struggled with. And I do continue to struggle with, but I've gotten better at it. So when we think, okay, I don't need to worry about what I'm going to do with the staff training piece, I got that. Well, if you listen to last week's episode, we went through some detailed procedures on how to carve out that staff training time. So now that you have that time to train your staff, what are you going to do with it? Today, we're going to talk about behavior skills training. This is a common process in the ABA world. It's an evidence-based practice for staff training. And don't let the name fool you. When we hear the word behavior, the assumption in our brain is negative behavior. So we think behavior plans and behavior reduction and all of that immediately pops into our head. But that's not what we're talking about here. When I say behavior skills training, I mean the behavior of the staff. And when I say behavior, I mean actions. So the actions would be the behaviors that your staff needs to collect data, the actions your staff needs to take to run circle time, the action the staff member needs to do to implement a behavior plan that would reduce kicking and running. So anything that you want your staff members to do in the same way that you do, that's a set of behaviors or actions that you want to teach them how to do correctly. The behavior skills training model is concrete and pretty simple to follow because there's four specific steps. I'm a big checklist and to-do list person like many of you are, so I know you will appreciate that there's just four steps to remember. It's pretty easy to follow. So I'm going to briefly mention the four steps and then I'll get detailed about each one. So the four steps are instruction, modeling, rehearsal, and feedback. So first up is instruction. This is usually where everyone starts and stops their staff training. You'll be like, well, I told them what to do. I don't know why it's not going well. If we just end with instruction, it's very unlikely that your staff training is going to be very successful because there's a lot more that goes into staff training. I mean, think about how often you've misunderstood something when someone told you what to do. I mean, all the time. Think about the last time your spouse asked you to do something or your roommate. Um, That's easy to misunderstand. So we want to limit the opportunity for misunderstandings. Conflict arises from miscommunication. So let's avoid conflicts in a productive way. So with instruction, we want to keep it simple. Write down exactly what you want that staff member to do. This is in non-IEP English. This is just simple, clear, concrete steps of exactly what you want them to do in this scenario, whether it comes to collecting data or some type of procedure to build independence or when we're teaching kids to do hygiene tasks. Just write it out exactly what you want them to do. I really recommend writing it down because I am a visual learner. I have a hard time just listening to something which is ironic that I'm doing a podcast right now. It's a little bit harder for me to listen to a podcast or an audiobook. I enjoy those things, but I have to really force myself to pay attention. Um, I'm better with a visual. I like to have the handouts when I'm at a presentation because it lets me see, instead of just relying on listening, it lets me see those words. So you're 
staff members could be more visual learners. So you want to take that into consideration. So in this instruction step, write down exactly what you want them to do, sit down one-on-one or with the whole group and explain this step. These are what I want you to do. These are the behaviors I need you to engage in. This is when you should do this, when you shouldn't do this with behavior plans that are a little tricky for reducing problem behavior, make sure to highlight the when to do this and when not to do this. And then provide the rationale. Sometimes we forget to provide the rationale. When I get a question saying, you know, my staff members have a really hard time being consistent on implementing procedures, they don't seem to really get it or understand the importance of it, a lot of times the rationale piece is missing there. You want to explain why we're doing this because some of our procedures and our strategies don't really make sense right away. So if a kid is coming over to you and pulling on your shirt and you know that they need help, you know it, but you're working on teaching them functional communication. So instead of giving the help right away, you redirect them to their PECS book and then you wait for them to ask for help using their PECS system. That's what you want them to do. Well, explain why that's important. Explain that, you know, when Johnny's 15 and he pulls on someone's shirt, it might be misunderstood. And when Johnny's around new people, we want him to be able to advocate for himself and communicate in a way that others understand. So even though we get it, we want to teach him other ways. So spend the time explaining the rationale, even if you think you don't have to. So with this instruction piece, overall, write it down, keep it simple, rationale. Those are the highlights there. Step two, modeling. This is showing exactly how you want this done. If possible, do this in situ. So do this with that exact child in the exact situation you want it done. So if you're teaching a staff member to run morning circle, then you run morning circle and that staff member's only responsibility is watching you. So if previously they were helping with something else Right now, their only responsibility is watching you do this set of behaviors in the exact way you'd like them to do it. If it's collecting data at one of their centers, then you sit at their center and you collect data and implement the teaching strategy just like how you would want to do this. If you're thinking at this point, well, how would I do that? What I have, I don't have enough staff and I'm going to have to be doing something else. Check out last week's episode because that's where I talk about the how to make this time happen. We need some time within the school day during these teaching moments to provide the modeling and rehearsal steps because we want to model how we want this to be done and then that next step will be having the staff member rehearse it. So if you're taking notes, modeling is important. Don't forget this and provide that in-situ feed modeling opportunity with the actual student and the actual situation. If this is not possible, do a little role play. Role play can also be really powerful. So next up is rehearsal. This is step three. So after they've watched you do it, now you're going to watch them do it. This is the one that gets forgotten. I'm totally guilty of this. Even when I've literally written out a behavior skills training checklist for myself, I sometimes forget about the rehearsal piece because I think, okay, I've told them what to do. They've watched me. Cool. You got this. But again, things can still be misunderstood. So at this point, you'll transition to watching them 
do all of the things that you just showed them how to do. So whether it's, you know, implementing some strategy at lunch or in inclusion, now you watch them. During this rehearsal piece, take notes, take data. What things did they do correctly? What things didn't they do correctly? I personally really like taking data during the rehearsal piece because it makes the whole process a little bit more objective. It doesn't feel like I'm singling you out or you just didn't do this like I wanted you to. It's just, hey, these are the steps you did correctly. These are the steps you didn't do correctly. So remember how in step one, we talked about writing it out. Take that exact thing that you wrote out and as they rehearse this process, Just put a little check next to each thing that they did correctly. So then when you go back for the feedback piece, you can use that same piece of paper you gave them and be like, hey, there are about eight things, you know, that we were supposed to make sure to do. You only did six of them. These two didn't get done. So it's less on your opinion and it's more on the data. So in the rehearsal piece, you are watching them do what you ask them to do. You are watching them implement a behavior plan. You are watching them fade prompts during a toileting procedure. You are watching them run a small group session. So you as the teacher, watch your staff members engage in that whole series of behaviors that you modeled for them. The last piece is feedback. This one is really important. Am I saying that about every step? Because I think I am. They're all important. Feedback is important. When I give feedback, I like to give staff members a little warning that I might be giving some feedback while they're doing it. So during the rehearsal step, hey, while you're you know, working with this student on these hygiene tasks, I might give you some feedback during that situation, in the moment, if you do something incorrectly. And don't take the wrong way that the wrong way. We just want to all be on the same page and I just want to catch it in the moment. I personally really prefer to give that warning because I think sometimes it can come off a little abrasive or surprising if we just jump in with some feedback in the moment. That can be like a little bit unsettling. So give your staff members that warning like, hey, you know, you're going to practice doing it now. If something is completely is a little bit off or not what I was thinking, I'm just going to jump right in. So give that in situ feedback. And then when they're all done, provide a lot of positive feedback, a lot of praise, a lot of great jobs, Be positive, be excited. Be excited that your staff member is doing something exactly how you envisioned. I mean, that's something worth being excited about. So if you've been listening to this and in the back of your head the whole time has been this kind of looming thought of, I can't do this. This would be weird. It would be weird because I've worked with these same staff members for five years Or it would be weird because all of my staff members are 20 years older than me and have way more experience. Or it would be weird because it's the middle of the year and isn't staff training only for the start of the year? So if those situations or something similar is floating around your head, let me reassure you, it won't be weird. Staff training, like I said several times in the last episode, is really, really important. And if we choose to not deal with it and approach it in a way that reflects how important it is, it's only to the disservice of our students. So before you jump in, 
this is trying something new. So tell your staff that. If it's the middle of the year or you've been working with these staff members for yet many years, say, hey guys, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do this behavior skills training that this crazy girl Sasha told me about. And this is what this looks like. We're going to talk about what's going to happen. You're going to watch me do something. You can take notes. All your responsibility is going to be in that time is just watching me. And then you're going to practice doing it. And I'm going to give you, I might take some notes and then we'll provide some feedback and I'll talk to you. So kind of summarize the whole process with them. You can acknowledge that this is new. This is different. You're trying it on for size. You're seeing how this is going. And explain the overall importance. You know, we work so great as a team and I want us to get even better and be even more on the same page. So I think that being a little bit more detailed about our training is really going to do that. And don't feel weird. Don't let that be the hang up for you here. If you've been working with the same staff members for a long time, it does feel uncomfortable at first to try something new because we're thinking, oh, this is insinuating that what they were doing isn't good or is wrong or is bad, but it's not. It's just trying something new. I actually remember the first year that I made my paraprofessional training manual. I was printing it and photocopying it, and I had really great staff. We had worked well together. We had spent a lot of time training and building rapport and all that. And one of my staff members kind of laughed, like, why are you making this paraprofessional training manual? We don't need this. And I looked at her. I go, I need this. We all need this. This is a good review for all of us. And I was like, also... I'm buying lunch, so come. And that sold her right away. Um, But it did feel odd that, you know, oh, we've been working together and it seems like things are good, but I wanted things to be great. And once I was into it and I was excited about it, they all were too. And we all sat down and had lunch and went over the paraprofessional training manual together, even though we've all been working together for many years. And it wasn't weird. And it brought up a lot of great topics that, oh, yeah, We can improve on this and we can improve on this as well. So if you're into it and you're excited about it, your staff will be too. So overall, behavior skills training, it's not for just behavior reduction. These are the behaviors of your staff, of you teaching them to collect data, you teaching them to reduce prompting, to encourage communication. Four simple steps, instruction, modeling, rehearsal, feedback, Don't forget any of them. I think in each one, I said this one's important. They're all important and they all work well together. So you're going to give this kind of really well-rounded opportunity for your staff and you to get on the same page. Conflict and um, unhappiness in a job comes from misunderstanding and miscommunication. And when staff is unhappy in their job, that leads to low morale That leads to kind of disrespectful behaviors, and that's something you really want to avoid. So going through this process of behavior skills training and being detailed within each step and thorough is going to avoid the potential miscommunications. It's going to get everyone on the same page. It's going to get staff buy-in, and it's going to improve the quality of the workplace for your staff. People work better in environments and situations where they like to be there and they feel valued and included and part of the team. And engaging in pretty detailed staff training like I'm talking about is going to do just that.
If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.